and the fact that DDP was so instrumental in not only bringing Goldberg to WCW, but into professional wrestling. As the bell sounds, Goldberg... You're going to tell us about People's Champion. Well, the fact is that when we call DDP the People's Champion, it's because that he is a man that came from literally nothing to go in the ring and champion. But anyway, so uh, working with Goldberg, you guys have a badass match. And then, uh, let me tell you behind the scene thing. Okay, okay, this is what the, uh, my people want to hear behind the scene. Behind the scene, he don't want to miss the spear. Now, three weeks out, I'm already because Billy, you know, we got we, we're off the road, but we're on the road all the time. So I want him to come down to the power plant where we started and start to just roll through some stuff just to show him some stuff. And the big thing was, Billy, you've never missed a spear, you gotta miss the spear. He goes, I can't miss the spear. I go, You gotta trust me on this. And if you watch that match, watch it back. He comes at me, I boot him, he sets it up, and he comes running. Man, he did not want me to miss the spear. Delivered with extra impact. Goes for the spear. Oh, Paige avoided it. Goldberg hit the post. That could be it. This could be the turning point. That could be the mistake. This could be the mistake. Diamond Dallas Page. He did not want to miss miss that spear. He came, I miss him. He keeps going because he's Bill, and it's got to be real to Bill, and that's what got Bill over too. But he hit his shoulder so hard on the post. Boom, he goes down, right? So I bring him in, and now you'll see. I go to pick him up. He don't get up. So I grab a hole (laughs) because I know he's blowing sky high right now. Pay attention here big time because you know when someone like a Bill Goldberg is coming with that spear – if you don't take your own bump, you're fucked. He cracked Big Show's sternum by hitting that big fire because Big Show ain't taking that kind of bump for him at that time. So he's going through everybody. And when he gets to me, and he's going to get this spear, and he's so pissed he's missed the first, he's still in his head, he comes at me, bro, I am a napkin. DDP up first. Motions to the crowd for the diamond cutter. Can he get it? Of spear and Goldberg. That right arm he's favoring. Is it the wrist? No, it's the shoulder is what it is. That spear was led by the same shoulder that hit the ring post. You don't even feel me. By the time he goes through, and his head goes all the way through and almost pulled what you did with really? Owen. His head hits the mat first, then my body. So I don't know it, but he's out. So, you know, I know he's going to pick me up. But you can go to you know, go to do uh, the, the gimmick, and I'm gonna drop behind him and diamond cut him. But he ain't really, you know, he's you can tell he's a little day street, but I think he's just selling. Right. You know, he pops up, he does that, and he picks me up and he puts me down. I'm thinking, fuck, he's really selling. But he's he's so in the game that right. he can move on autopilot. Yeah. I go up, drop behind him, hit him with diamond cutter, fucking place explodes. Amazing, amazing. There may be some severe damage in that shoulder. Gonna try again. Serious. Little surge of energy. He's sucking it up. Page! Page has got the diamond cutter! Oh, it's gonna happen! It's gonna happen! I'm waiting 10 seconds to get there because I know he's kicking out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's gonna kick out. <laughs> and at the same time, you gotta remember that friggin' I just took the spear. Right. You know, and so you I'm got something to sell. I've got really something to sell. So finally, I crawl well, over. You, you really have something to yeah, sell. I really have something to sell. But I don't because he ain't hurt me. He's hurt himself. Yeah. 
And when I fucking lay my arm on him, I'm expecting the one, two, ah! Oh. Can he crawl over and cover the man? He's there! One, two, Goldberg's out of two! Goldberg is still alive! It goes one, two, and he kicks out, and I was like, motherfucker! Yeah. I was so pissed! You know? Because, and, and, and if, if you guys follow the story, man, a kick out on two, something as spectacular as what has just happened is addressing dog shits. That's a two and nine tenths. Yes. Absolutely. That's the kick out. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 like that's what the, you're looking for. Where the ref might have fucked up, but yeah, yeah. it still didn't count, you know? So, you know, we go into the deal. Then he goes, I go to do something to him. He reverse hits me. A jackhammer takes you up, pins me one, two, three. We come to the back, and fucking, I walk up. I go, Billy. I go, awesome match, dude, but why the fuck would you kick that on two? He goes, D, I don't remember anything coming up to that spear. Like, I don't remember anything. Shoot, <laughs> Shoot but I know it's happened to me, so yeah, yeah. I just gave him a hug and said, well, it was a fucking damn good match, bro. <laughs> Self-high five. You know... For those of you looking to possibly start your own podcasts, or for, for those of you who already have podcasts, I don't know how you can relate to this, but uh, I've always felt that the hardest part about these things is getting the intro right. I never know how to quite get into it, uh, to get the ball rolling. So I'm just hitting record and I'm going for it. And come along with me, why don't you? It's the New Blood Rising podcast. My name is Charlie Stabile, and it's time for another Perfect Ten episode. And today I'm going to be covering Goldberg defending his WCW World Heavyweight title against Diamond Dallas Page at Halloween Havoc 98. Before I get into it, let's, let's talk about some things beforehand, uh, before we really dive into this thing. Just give me a few minutes. It shouldn't take too long if you haven't heard it yet. William Rankin just dropped his Perfect Ten episode a couple of days ago. Uh, we had been talking about it on the phone about a week ago, about how much fun some of these Perfect Tens are. And a couple of days later, he just drops his episode. It completely blew me away. I was so excited to hear it. Um, he did Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage, the career match at WrestleMania 7. If you haven't heard it, please download it. It's... It's an awesome episode, and it's a great match. I remember discussing that match with Will frequently uh, when we were living together and just what fans we were. And, and always, no matter what, how we would talk about the match, we would always somehow find a way to get back to the Randy Savage four or five elbow drop spot and, and how we felt about it. Because as a kid, it blew me away. As you know, Will's prop, Will's older than me. Uh, Will ordered the pay-per-view for it. I didn't get to see this until VHS, but I love that match so much. And, and I agree with that sentiment completely, uh, that that is a perfect 10. And he did a great job with it. Please give that a listen. Uh, so let's talk about the podcast for a bit. Uh, in all honesty... All three of our lives, me, Will's, Jason's, it's all been kind of in flux. Different things have been going on. Will has a new kid. Jason has a new job. I have a new job. I'm also living somewhere else. It's all just crazy. And unfortunately, sadly, uh, I have not even been able to get up to see Will uh, as much as I'd like to. 
So, so if that gives you an idea of, of how difficult this has been, like I think the last time any of us got together was when me and Jason went to meet Sting, who I told my dad that I was going to meet Sting, and he was really excited for me. And then I sent him a picture of me with Sting, and it wasn't until the text back from him that I realized that he thought I was going to meet the musician, Sting. Why I would want to do that, I, uh, I have no idea why he would think that. But anyway, that's the last time that um, there was any incarnation of us together. And it's unfortunate, but that's just the way life goes. Now, no matter what, of course, we do not want to put any kind of hiatus on this show. Like, we hate to do that. Like, I was actually going back through my notes, and I believe the last episode that we did, other than the um, Santa Slay, was The Clash of the Champions. And according to my notes, that was in October. And that just sucks. That's just awful. I, I feel really bad about that. And I am making a commitment on my end to continue to put out content. And he, whether it's Great American Bash 92, which is our next episode, or another one of these Perfect Tens, because there are tons of Perfect Tens, uh, I feel, in professional wrestling that I would love to talk about. I remember when I was first coming up with these lists, there was, too, <laughs> there was too much Bret Hart. There was just too much. And, of course, that was the first episode I ended up doing because um, I'm almost as big of an Owen Hart fan as I am of Bret's. So if you haven't heard my episode on that, uh, please, please listen to that. Uh, that match is just phenomenal, and I just love talking about it. And I miss talking about professional wrestling. And as much as I love doing these perfect tens, I miss talking about professional wrestling with my friends. Obviously, the ones in my own show. Uh, so we fully intend on coming back within the next week or two with a full-fledged episode. And whether it's all three of us or it has to be just two of us, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But no matter what, this is and always will be at its core a three-man pod. Um, ideally, it would be four uh, as some of you, our old listeners, know Martin. Martin Dixon was a part of it, and he still is. And Martin, if you're listening, the door is always open for your return. We would love to have you back. Best of luck spot Hall of Fame inductions are due by March 6th, and apparently I have a lot of catching up to do. I have not looked at the hashtag in a while, but from what I've heard, there is over 100 um, I saw one earlier today that it's always kind of unfortunate when you start to see when you start one of these best of luck spot videos and you and you see the chaos that is about to ensue. And then the move comes off as absolutely perfect as it could possibly uh, do. Like I, I saw a guy like leap over the top rope, grab and grab his opponent who was on the ring apron and then did a stunner to the outside of the floor. I thought it was just going to be an absolute disaster. I thought the first three rows were going to get wiped out and it really truly did look as good as it possibly could. So of course I was disappointed, but, um, I love talking about those. I love the best of luck spot, a favorite of mine in pro wrestling. And please, yes, continue to send us stuff because that is definitely uh, an episode that, that is coming up vastly approaching as WrestleMania comes in. I think that's all I have uh, for the pre-stuff, so let's get into the meat of it. Yeah. Yeah, my hands. We're doing Goldberg 
versus DDP. So let's talk about these two guys from my perspective. Uh, my favorite WCW wrestler of all time, like when I think of a WCW wrestler, it's Diamond Dallas Page. There was something about this guy that was just captivating. I remember when The Rock was, was on WWF programming and he would say that he was the people's champion. I always remembered that because I love The Rock. But I remember taking umbrage with that statement because to me, the people's champion was Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, he was one of those guys that I don't, none of, there wasn't anyone in my group of friends in school that didn't like Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, like He was just cool. And it's funny because, I mean, he was an older guy. Yeah, you know, and like if you watch some of the early DDP stuff before he truly became DDP, he was always kind of like made fun of by other wrestlers as, as like this white trash type wrestler, which I never really understood that. I always thought Diamond Dallas Page was just incredibly awesome. And I remember when he first won the world title, and I remember it was kind of bittersweet because I think, if I recall, it was in the Fatal 4-Way match with Sting, Hogan, and Flair, and DDP was actually a heel? It was a spring stampede? Like, it wasn't the way that he should have won the title um, in, in any circumstance. But huge Diamond Dallas Page fan. I think, other than the NWO shirt, he had the greatest WCW t-shirt, uh, which was the the blue, like, drawing of him with making the diamond symbol it's it's alternate costume two in revenge um if if you need a point of reference so that's those are my feelings on diamond Dallas page i absolutely love the diamond cutter i love that in revenge you could do it in three or f i think no no four different ways you could do it four different ways but according to the diamond Dallas page you could do it 50 and that was always so cool that he could break that move literally out of nowhere. Like, I think Randy Orton's kind of adopted, not, I mean, of course he adopted the move, but the out of nowhere bit for me comes from Diamond Dallas Page. And of course, I think Randy's kind of made it his own. Um, but Randy Orton, the way he does it, I mean, I always thought Randy Orton was a very slick, very clean wrestler. Like, j just the way he did things, he looked so smooth. DDP was a little more rough around the edges, but that's why I liked him. That's why I like Diamond Dallas Page. So let's talk about Goldberg. Very, very polarizing figure. But I swear to God, not if you were around at the time that all of this stuff was happening. Uh, by the time Halloween Havoc 98 rolled around, Goldberg had only been wrestling with the company, I think, for a little more than a year. Uh, I remember watching his first match on Nitro with Hugh Morris, and I was just kind of stunned like like just this big monster of a wrestler and it's funny looking back because when i was younger I, I i gravitated i think more towards the cruiserweights and basically what they would refer to as the flippy floppy wrestling the vanilla midgets as kevin nash would call them and the big guys honestly kind of bored me until i switched over to ecw and i saw mike awesome who could do all of it but as I've gotten older, I kind of miss the big monsters, like the guys that could just run over you like a Mack truck. And Goldberg was the personification of that type of wrestler. He was a tour de force competitor. And we were all fans of him. 
Like we all loved him. Um, of course, as as the years have gone on and we've been able to look back, you know, it's like, oh, well, he was limited. Well, what really were you looking for him to do? You know, that sort of thing. Um, as I said, as I've gotten older, I miss the the the, the Goldberg type wrestler, or um, the, I, the a more modern version, I guess, would be Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is like the monster heel. Uh, I, I, just these big, larger-than-life guys, and that was certainly Goldberg, and it was, it was unreal. Um, I'll never forget watching that Nitro where he won the world title from Hulk Hogan in, uh, in the Georgia Dome, and I was up in uh, Boston visiting my grandparents, sick as a dog, and I wanted to watch Raw, but I tuned into Nitro and saw what was going on, and it's like, oh my God, are they going to give it to Goldberg? Oh, I have to. I didn't even watch Raw that night, I don't think. And that was the summer of Austin. So that was really exciting. He beat. So that's a good point to jump off from. So, so Goldberg beats Hogan for the title, and his undefeated streak remains intact. Uh, so that's in June of 98. So then we roll around to September of 98, and... DDP wins War Games, the match beyond at Fall Brawl, which guarantees him a world title match. Now we have an interesting situation on our hands. We have a face-versus-face confrontation coming up for the world heavyweight title at Halloween Havoc. Now, Halloween Havoc 98, sadly, uh, seems to be more remembered these days for Hogan versus Warrior 2. And that is a damn shame because uh, that match is as great as I think is this Goldberg DDP matches. Uh, that match is the complete opposite. And most, you know, I think the majority of wrestling fans, they tend to gravitate more towards the negative. And certainly Hogan versus Warrior is memorable in all the wrong ways. But uh, it's not what I think of when I think of Halloween Havoc. Um, th- this this pay-per-view was, I, I, I remember seeing the whole thing a long time ago. It's been a while, I, I, but I've seen this match so many times. And that's what I want to talk about here. Uh, from my memory, from what I can recall, the October 26th edition of 1998 of Nitro, I believe that that was the last time I actively chose to watch Nitro over Raw. And the reason for that, was because, and this is one of the greatest typical WCW fashion moments of all time. Um, if you haven't looked at it on the network, Halloween Havoc 98 runs three hours and 15 minutes. Now, what this means is um, the show actually ran over, and I've never heard of this happening in any other professional wrestling pay-per-view since or before then, but once Hogan and Warrior was finished, the pay-per-view cut off. People who ordered this pay-per-view to see Goldberg versus DDP didn't get to see it. It didn't happen. Uh, they were gypped. And I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to Shivani and Heenan. Um, I think Tanae's at the table, too. But you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that there was a problem just by watching the show. But you know that they knew. <laughs> so the fix for this was, well, we are, Nitro starts, and they go, they, they go through the whole thing about what happened, and they go, we're going to air 
the Goldberg versus DDP match from last night's Halloween Havoc at the end of our broadcast here tonight on Nitro. So this kind of felt, you know, it was really stupid that something like this could happen. But at the same time, you know, I was 11 years old. I was like, holy shit, I get to watch a big pay-per-view match for free. Uh, And this was really exciting because, you know, whether it was WWE, WWF, or ECW, I always ordered a WWF or ECW pay-per-view. Not once did I ever ordered a WCW pay-per-view, no matter how much I wanted to. The closest I ever came was Starcade 97 and Halloween Havoc 98. And thank God I didn't do Halloween Havoc 98. Um, because look what happened. But I remember the Monday Night Raw. The Monday Night Raw, I believe, was the, the, the previous week's Raw was Austin taking McMahon hostage after the firing thing. So the Raw that this Nitro was competing against was these, the follow-up to that Raw. So there wasn't, it wasn't that, that big of a, of a stretch. DDP was one of my guys, so I had to watch this. So... <clears throat> Those are my base memories of the match. So let's talk about the match here. And then afterward, we'll go into what the reasons from, for why I think it's, it deserves the perfect rating. My defense of Bill Goldberg and the one thing about this match that I would change. So here we go. Halloween Havoc, 1998. It took place from the MGM Grand, uh, which I believe they had a couple of Halloween Havocs there. Uh, in a row. I think 97 took place there, too. It just kind of seemed to be their thing. Um, Let's talk about this stage. This stage is fucking awesome. I love this stage. It's just this big, like, three-fingered bastard holding this this balloon pumpkin that says Halloween Havoc on it. And and the thing that that always kills me is the sponsorship, uh, because there's a big Snickers logo right underneath it. I just love it. It's incredibly cheesy, and it's wonderfully WCW in every way. So Michael Buffer gets the introductions going. Uh, Mickey J is going to be our referee, and um, I want to give props to Mickey J. Mickey J's two counts are fantastic in this match. I love it. But I remember there was this buildup for this match, and it really, truly felt like this was the first time that Goldberg could could lose and it, and and it would be believable because the crowd was behind Diamond Dallas Page and I certainly was behind DDP. So like there was a lot of interest it not just in seeing Goldberg lose the title but who could beat this man? Could it be Diamond Dallas Page? Like that would be amazing. So DDP comes out and he has one of the biggest like baby face entrances I've ever seen and by that I mean I mean he's running up to Tony Schiavone and doing his diamond sign going into the crowd. Then he actually legitimately goes into the crowd on the other side and the people are going nuts. I mean, it's not Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12, but it's, it's a pretty impressive, like this could be the guy entrance. Um, so that's that, I absolutely love. Of course we get Goldberg's entrance and it's a little bit, more subdued. I remember Tony Schiavone mentioning, oh, did you see the door? You ever notice that when you watch old Goldberg matches in WCW? Tony Schiavone always makes a point of going, oh, look at the door. Oh, no. And usually there is something to look at, like a big dumbass head print in it or something, but I didn't see anything 
this time. I, I never really saw it move, but this was just one of Tony's things. Um, so Goldberg is able to, he makes it out to the ring and, and, you know, you gotta be honest. It's, I, my memory of this match was a 50, 50 down the middle, um, for Goldberg, for DDP. But upon rewatch, I, I don't see it like that. If you read the audience, listen to the chants, it honestly sounds like it's 75 Goldberg, 25 DDP, which is interesting. That shows you how over this guy was at the time. Now, granted, you still got some of the signs out in the crowd, those snarky fans, like getting old Berg, I remember seeing out there. And, you know, that's fine. Goldberg wasn't for everybody. But he definitely seems to have the majority of the support here in the match. Now, this is when, so the match begins, and there's a great intensity with both of their offense. And it's almost like DDP is trying to um, overpower Goldberg, which, as you know, we all know this isn't going to happen. But it's interesting, and the way that they sell with each other is very intense. They start with a lockup. Goldberg tosses DDP into the corner a couple of times. And then they get into another lockup and end up, like, throwing each other through the middle rope to the floor. And it looks almost like an accident, but it looks so cool because DDP is, like, showing, you know, I'm not going to let you shove me around. And yet Goldberg does. There is a great series where DDP falls on the ground. He he tries to sweep Goldberg's leg, and Goldberg does a backflip and lands perfectly. But DDP's right on top of him, and he sweeps his leg again and goes for a cover and gets barely gets like a one. But it was a really cool looking spot. Shivani made some mention on the broadcast about you know, how many hours of tapes did DDP have to study for this match. And that's one of those moments where it's like, that looks like it could be, you could storyline that as a, as a tape studying thing. Um, DDP it does a great job of making Goldberg just look powerful. Uh, he, he sells his moves incredibly well. Um, and th- where I find the one of the more interesting things from the match is the is how they try to wear each other down. So DDP does a lot of interesting chain wrestling in this match, which I'm I don't recall him doing that too much. But he's trying to wear Goldberg down by doing holds, you know, rear chin locks or front chanceries, stuff like that. Goldberg, to counter that, is trying to wear DDP down by just doing. V- the craziest power moves, you know, like just flat out, just power lifting him over his head and slamming him. Like DDP takes some bumps in this match and it's, it's really cool. It's great. Um, and for the most part, Goldberg is in control of this and you can see DDP getting a little frustrated. And then there comes this moment, the, the turning of the tide moment. Uh, Goldberg has DDP in the corner and he goes for a spear Page gets out of the way, and Goldberg just, like, almost annihilates the post. I remember Goldberg doing this spot a lot, and it looks like he could have legit gotten hurt, and he probably, let's be honest, he probably did. He probably hurt his shoulder here, Um, but it works really well for the match, uh, 
either way, DDP is able to like Rob Van Dam himself to the top turnbuckle and does a great flying clothesline that gets a two count and looks great. Page has this great thing that he's thrown into the match for his part of the story where he will do these moves that we're not quite used to seeing him do, but if it works, he goes for a cover. It's just like instinct or desperation or whatever kind of thing um, Gorilla Monsoon would say. And it's great. It's, it's really good stuff. So we get to this point where Paige motions uh, for the diamond cutter right after he does this really cool like DDT move. And right as he turns around, Goldberg spears the ever-loving shit out of him. And it just looks incredible. And then if you, <laughs> and then Goldberg's hurt because he did that. And you're like, huh, probably from his shoulder, from his shoulder ramming the, uh, the post. No, no, no. If you rewind it and you look back at it, um, Goldberg, at least to my eyes, and I remember, I think he got a concussion in this match. I think this is where he got it. You can very clearly see Goldberg basically DDT'd himself. He speared Paige so hard that he didn't bother to protect his head on the way down. And he, that's got to be where the concussion came from. And once again, though, it works for the match. Uh, it really works. Goldberg goes for the jackhammer on DDP, and it's really cool. He can't quite get him up. He can't quite lift him. And his arm hurts, and Bobby Heenan has this asinine comment about Goldberg he does not even needing arms to do a jackhammer. If you don't remember, Bobby Heenan used to put over Goldberg so hard. And it it's one of the things that I never liked about Bobby Heenan and WCW. Just to, to hear him put a face over is just strange. But he would always just go for the moon on Goldberg. And that was just one of those things. So he can't quite lift DDP up. Can't get him up in the jackhammer. And it's like, oh, no. And then Goldberg does this great, you know, this that thing that he used to do. And he lifts Diamond Dallas Page right up. And this is the, this for me is the moment of the match. DDP is able to reverse out of it and hit the diamond cutter. And the crowd just erupts because we think it's it. That's gonna, that's gotta be it. But Page does a great job of selling the fact that, you know, he's a little hurt and he, he's not quite able to make the cover. He finally does. And Mickey J counts, uh, a two and Goldberg kicks out immediately. Like, it's not a two and a half. It's nothing like that. Still don't quite know how I feel about that. Um, I guess it's not that bad, considering that Goldberg was on the ground for, like, 15, 20 seconds before DDP went for the cover. It's not like WrestleMania 19 when Triple H hits the pedigree on Booker T and then eight hours later covers him and gets the three count. You know, it's nothing like that. But, anyway, this is uh, the... The only part of the match that I actually think is somewhat foolish. Uh, after after Page hits the diamond cutter, his very first instinct is to pick Goldberg up after the two count and go for a suplex. Why the hell would you do that to Goldberg? Uh, this bothered me since I was a kid. Um, just from a storytelling standpoint, it's like you know that's you know the jackhammers just move. You know he's stronger than you. Um, I just chalk it up to him. The part of the story that I've, I've kind of made for myself in this match where DDP is just trying every move he can think of. And, well, shit, I haven't tried a suplex yet. Let's see what, what good that does. Well, it turns out it doesn't do much good. 
Goldberg reverses it almost with ease. It doesn't even really look like he's lifting DDP. Like it's a straight up power lift and it's, he gets him up there so well. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure a big part of that had to do with page getting his legs vertical and Goldberg even holds it for a second and just jackhammers him straight into the mat. And that's the one, two, three. And I think this is one fifty five and oh, and Goldberg, Goldberg's your winner. The crowd seems really happy. Um, they actually do this really cool, like, embrace, and DDP raises his hand, and then Paige leaves, and that's the end. And this match is not very long at all. I think it, it's just under 11 minutes, and it doesn't drag. It hits hard. It hits fast. It has great moments. Um, this is probably one of the better, uh, like, examples of what a WCW match is, because I don't think that this match would ever happen like this in the WWF. Uh, there's no comeback, you know, there's no, I need to get the crowd behind me moment. It's just offense, offense, a little bit of defense. Like it's not a typical one-on-one match at all. It, and it's one of the things that I kind of miss about uh, WCW is hard to believe as, as that is, is that, um, that it's not the WWE style of, of a match where the good guy's on top for the first five minutes, he's down for the next 10, and then he's back up for the next five, and then the winner is whoever is booked to win. To me, that was always the basic WWF match, and, and this isn't it. Um, it's an incredibly unique match. And to wrap up how I truly feel about it, um, I think it's the match of Goldberg's career. I was thinking about if Goldberg, how many perfect tens Goldberg possibly has. And I can only come up with potentially two. And I know what the other one is. And that's, a, that's an episode I've thought about doing for a perfect ten sometime down the road. But this is my absolute favorite Goldberg match. And it's my favorite Diamond Dallas Page match. These guys were great together. And as far as I remember, this is the only match that they ever had together, which is unfortunate because I think they have amazing chemistry. Um, with the exception of that suplex spot, I just, I am such a fan of this. And if you haven't seen this match, I highly recommend checking it out. It doesn't take long. The match is only 10 minutes or 11. I, it's, it's not much out of your day, but this is the, the perfect kind of Goldberg match. It hits all the right notes. It doesn't expose him for too long because Goldberg, you know, lots of people like to give the guy shit. Goldberg's great in the right amount and in the right amounts. He works perfectly. He can't wrestle like Brock Lesnar where Brock Lesnar could do 30 minutes and just be absolutely amazing. Goldberg is great in short bursts. And to me, I think this is the biggest burst that he has. And he's able to just absolutely shine. And DDP helps him do that. So yes, please check this match out. Now, if I could change one thing about it, um, and I still feel this way, Diamond Dallas Page should have won this match. I truly feel that. I truly believe he should have not only won the match, but he should have ended the streak. Because the just if you if you think about it, just the idea of of how big the, that that streak was at the time, and I remember us all talking about it, you know, at the schoolyard. 
well, who could beat him? Who could do it? I don't think anybody really wanted to see a heel do it. And when you, you know, tw- hindsight's twenty twenty. when you go back and you look at it, how they actually decided to end Goldberg's streak, to me, Goldberg was never the same. I think Goldberg could have still been the same uh, had he lost to Diamond Dallas Page. But it's it's kind of... It's kind of like, for me, there's Goldberg from Hugh Morris to Starcade 98. Like, that's one Goldberg. And then the one that came after was never the same. Uh, Goldberg really lost something with that loss. And I think it would have just elevated him even further if he had done it with Page. And I've heard uh, Diamond Dallas Page talk about this um, before, where someone had asked him, like, if they had were even considering giving him the title that night. And I, it's something really dumb, but basically it all came down to something like Goldberg had some kind of photo shoot the following Tuesday and they wanted him with the belt. It's something like that. And that's the only reason Goldberg went over on page is because of this photo shoot with like Esquire magazine or ESPN. It's something like that. Other than that, that page said that he might've won the title that night. And it's just WCW from like, to me, not having the foresight to, you know, cause Kevin not having the foresight to build a new star. Cause Kevin Nash, like Kevin Nash was already a superstar. He was huge in 1998. Everyone knew who he was. It's like, not that everyone didn't know who page was, but page really could have used this and he absolutely deserved it. And he truly was a workhorse with that company. And that's always been the drawback to me, but even so, I love the finish. I, I the suplex aside, I, I love the whole thing from Jackhammer, Diamond Cutter, Suplex, Jackhammer. It's just a great series. Uh, so that's the episode for me. That's the perfect ten. Yes, Goldberg versus Diamond Dallas Page at Halloween Havoc '98 for the world title gets a ten out of ten from me. A bang, if you will. That'll do it. Our next episode for the New Blood Rising podcast will be the Great American Bash of 1992. And this should be recording within the next week or so. Uh, Don't forget to check out William Rankin's newest episode of Perfect Ten, Ultimate Warrior vs. Randy Savage, WrestleMania 7. You can check out William at William Rankin 83. Jason is at the Jason Kiesler. I am at CM underscore Stabs. The podcast is at New Blood Pod. That's the important one. We all see that one. And thank you very much for hitting the download and putting up with me for a half hour. It's always appreciated. I miss you guys. I miss my friends. I miss the feedback that we all get together. And that is going to be rectified very soon. I promise. Thanks again. And we will see you for the next episode of Great American Bash 1992. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. You're going to be missed, Cactus. Godspeed, Mick Foley.